Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201 or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. We're glad to have you with us. My, my name is Jonathan, and we actually have a, a special friend and special guest with us today. We have Rosie McKinney on the line with us. And so, Rosie, welcome to the program today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, so, Rosie, um, you have a ministry, Fight for Love, and you do amazing work with trying to help women who have faced sexual betrayal. In, in their marriages. Um, and that's kind of where we're going to want to go in the conversation today. Um, but can, can you, for the sake of our listeners, because I think it's always important to be able to establish, so who is this person that's going to be speaking on this particular topic? You know, why are they necessarily in this space of conversation? So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and even some of your story of of why you're even a voice in this space of helping women who are facing sexual betrayal. Absolutely. So this was our story. My husband is a recovering porn and sex addict. Um, And so 12 years ago, when we got married, very soon after we got married, I realized that this was a problem. And I said, enough. I said, you can have pornography or you can have me but you can't have both. I'm not going to let this destroy what we, what we have, what I love, our, our future together. Now, the only reason I could say this so early with such strength and conviction was not because I was particularly self-assertive or I had a great sense of my own value, but prior to becoming a Christian, I had already done this journey. I had already been in a long-term relationship with an unrepentant porn addict, and I knew what happened when uh, a porn addiction took root and uh, it re- and the guy remained unrepentant and refused to get into recovery, refused help. And I had tried to fix this so hard on my own. I had tried everything I could think of, everything that I was told. I tried to compete. I tried to overlook. I tried to um, turn a blind eye. Um, you know, you name it, I tried it and nothing worked so that when I became a Christian, then I met my husband, we got married, and I realized that, uh-oh, I, I've been here before. It was, it was, I do believe it was the Holy Spirit empowering me, saying, enough. Mm-hmm. You are not doing this again. You, you know what happens. And so I did, and I was terrified, and it was, it was, it was, hor- it was so horrific. I just got married, and my parents had paid thousands of dollars to, you know, put on this beautiful wedding, and all my friends and family had flown out and celebrated us and I had to draw the line I had to draw this firm line um, because I was so adamant 
that this was not going to be part of our marriage. And it wasn't just because, oh, I know he did, he, he's been doing um, pornography. It was because of how it affects people, how it affects, um, it affects guys. There are similarities and there are also differences. And some of them um, become withdrawn and distant and some of them become angry and critical. Mm-hmm. And my husband was the latter. And I'm like, I, I've been around this merry-go-round. I have done this before. And, and so that's why I was able to draw that firm line in the sand. Now, fortunately, in my case, my husband was ready to get help. He had already lost a previous marriage to porn addiction. He was done. He'd hit bottom. He was like, I, I don't want to lose this woman that I love. I will do whatever it takes. And so we did. And, and we got into recovery and uh, he got free. And recovery was such an eye-opening experience for me because I realized that this was not just about having the same old marriage, but minus the pornography, the same old relationship. This was about creating something new, something that neither of us had ever experienced before, because now we actually had to become authentic and vulnerable, not only with each other, but with other people too in our support groups. Mm -hmm. And so he had support groups already lined up because there was great resources out there for the guys. But where I was, there was no resources for the women. There was no community. And I felt so alone. And so I created a community. I sent him to his group with little notes to, to, give, to, the, to give to the wives saying, do you feel alone? Do you need support? Would you like to come for supper? Um, and so we started with a little group of four, went to a group of 16, and it just sort of mushroomed from there. Um, and so my husband and I formed a ministry to go out and do outreach work and tell people there is hope, there is help and encourage people to take that brave step of waving the white flag earlier and saying, we need help because it's really, really hard to come forward. And so my whole mission now and the ministry that I've now formed since with a group of other women in our recovery community because, oh, the thing that I forgot to say was my husband retrained as a certified sexual addiction therapist. So he's working with people day in, day out. And I've been working with the wives and, and with the wives, we go out and we've got a podcast and we speak to, you know, churches or groups and just give the message to other wives who are sitting there in the dark, not knowing what to do, not knowing that hope is even possible, is a porn free mm-hmm. marriage even possible? And just get to them with this, this message. Um, so that's what we're doing. Can you talk, you know, one of the things that I think is that I really want to highlight about something you said in your story was this sense of uh, desperation and seriousness that both you and your husband finally came to this issue with. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because, you know, I do believe that because pornography is ubiquitous in our culture, it is everywhere. There's not a there's not a corner that you can turn to where there is not porn influence in some way or porn access. Can you talk a little bit about how there is this sort of cultural numbness related to the issue of pornography or at least some ambiguity, right? Emotionally, people are like, hey, whatever, it's porn, no big deal. And this reality that to save your relationship even to maybe save your own life, if I could put it that way, there had to be a real seriousness, a real desperation. Can you speak to that a little bit? And and how do we close that gap? And how do we create a sense of, you cannot take this lightly. You cannot look at things like pornography as "Eh, no big deal and think that somehow it's not going to destroy your marriage or destroy your, your integrity in your life. You're absolutely right. There is 
there is such a huge divide between what the world is telling us, which is porn is normal, porn is healthy for relationships, porn is empowering and liberating for women. Um, it has so been normalized, um, you know, outside the church and within the church as well. I mean, they're not condoning it within the church, but there is this sort of sense of inevitability. Like it's just something that we all struggle with. And uh, it's just, you know, it's part of being a guy and it's like, no, it's not inherently male to be looking yeah. at pornography. And, and I think there is this misconception and, and this is what keeps um, wives confused for so long because there is this general thing that a porn free marriage in the 21st century is unrealistic. Like it's just going to be part of you, part of your story. Everybody does it. And, you know, you see on, on, you know, just general women's groups on Facebook and things, people going, ah, oh, you know, get over yourself, you know, do it with him, you know, mm -hmm. stop being such a prude. So we've got, we've got that sort of message in the, in the world. I mean, they did a study where they asked young people their views about pornography and more people are upset about people who don't recycle right. than they do who, who watch pornography. You know, that's the level of where it's at. And then you've got people in recovery who absolutely know the impact of uh, pornography addiction and they're on their knees and they're in crisis. How do we get from one to the other? And so at the moment, information about what pornography does to you or does to your brain or does to your relationship and even to the world is on a need to know basis. You don't really find it out until you absolutely need to go and find it out. And that was like the gap where we wanted to come in because I do believe it's through education you know, there are organizations out there like Fight the New Drug who are going out. It's their mission to educate, you know, the youth of today and actually give them a counter narrative and say, hey, you know, all those dreams that you have, those things that you wanted to achieve in life, pornography is going to get in the way. It's going to prevent you from achieving your potential, having an intimate relationship. It's going to get in the way. So your question about how do we get from one to the other, I do believe it's education, but I also believe it's brave people who are willing to stand up and take this issue forward in their churches. Mm -hmm. Not just, not just um, who's, because we, I think there is great outreach work that goes on at the moment, which is like who is struggling with pornography and those things. But I think we need the piece beforehand and actually this education piece, like this is what it's doing to your relationship. This is what it's doing to his brain. These are warning signs that you need to be aware of that might be happening in your relationship and just help people connect those dots. Like I know there's a problem in my marriage. I know it, but I can't put my finger on it. I, I think it's me but I'm not sure perhaps it's, mm. and just, there's just so much confusion about it. So I think education is, is the piece. Yeah. And I think some of it too, is we've got to just be willing to, you talk about brave people. Um, you know, where are the people that are willing to call sin, sin, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I think that's a, that's a word even in the church that we've kind of gotten afraid of, uh, you know, to actually just call it out for what it is. It's a cancer. It's a division. It's a separator. You know, that's what sin does is it divides us. It separates us. It, it, it it brings death. But Absolutely. I want to talk about this from the, from the wife's perspective, because that's, you know, that's obviously your personal experience. And can you, can you help us understand, because um, we've got a lot of men that listen to this program as well. Can you help us understand, like, what, how does porn use in your husband affect you psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, maybe even physically? You know, can you describe this? Because I think sometimes, because like on the on the the man's side 
typically there is sort of this flippant attitude or it's kind of your rite of passage as a man, you've got to view pornography, that we don't understand the weight that that places on a woman that we love, uh, one that we've said we're going to commit our lives to. Because I think sometimes men, we can tend to compartmentalize sort of, well, we've got porn over here in this compartment and I've got my wife over here in this other compartment and never the two shall meet, right? At least in my, in my thinking as a man. But help us understand how that doesn't work from a woman's perspective. No, and I think it's important to point out at the beginning that, you know, in marriage to become one and what a person who's using pornography is doing will affect the spouse. You know, there's this misconception, you know, what a wife doesn't know doesn't hurt her. It's just that the knowledge that you're doing it, that somehow it, affect, it offends her sensibilities. And it's like, if you're using pornography, it is affecting you and it's affecting your relationship it will be affecting you in the bedroom one way or the other you'll be becoming hypersexual or you might be becoming sexually avoidant um it's affecting your wife's sexuality she you know the, the thing i hear again and again it's like he's not present he's not there and the studies have proven that the more pornography you use the more you have to be thinking about it during sex to maintain your arousal that's that's the reality these the wife needs to be strengthened in her intuition because she knows that something's going on. She, she senses it's not right. She's not feeling comfortable, but also outside the bedroom, you know, as I've mentioned before, because guys are hiding this big secret, they're, you know, protecting their supply because they have to, because it's their coping mechanism. You know, it's not something that they're doing malevolently to upset their wife. It's, you know, this is their coping mechanism. They need to protect their supply. Um, but this is, it's really hard to maintain intimacy when you're when you've got this big secret this big divide so guys either become really with, withdrawn and distant or they go on the defensive and they and they're more critical or more judgmental or um you know dissatisfied and also if you know the the addiction has progressed enough you know your baseline of happiness has changed so that they're not actually into anything anymore. It's like your husband has changed before your eyes. So I know your question was like, you know, how does it affect the wife? Um, but I, I wanted to point out that they are responding to how you are responding to the pornography. Um, so, you know, first of all, there's the confusion, the sort of mental confusion, like, you know, something's wrong with your marriage, but yet nothing has, you know, he's not having an affair. There's no evidence of that. Um, I've even had wives who have had dreams. They, they, get, they wake up every, every morning going, I keep having this repeated dream that he's having an affair, but there's no evidence. And when it turns out that he's been looking at pornography, all the dots joined up mm -hmm. it, and suddenly it made sense because they're sensing, you know, that something is off. So there's just this confusion. And also, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, guys respond perfectly, um, you know, when their wives catch them and that they, you know, are repentant and promise to change, but sometimes they're defensive and they turn around and they try and, you know, they basically gaslight, gaslight their wives and say, uh, you know, you're overreacting or you're nagging or you're snooping or this is, this is none of your business or nobody else has a problem with it. And so that's so confusing as a wife. It's or, even, so, or even blaming in some absolutely, way. Wife, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and the thing is, because I asked my husband that very question. I'm going, when, when guys blame their wives, do they actually believe it? And he said, they do. 
because their brains have been so hijacked, their brains have been so scrambled that they actually do believe it. It's not that they're just being mean. They, they literally do think, well, this is your fault. And if you were more like this. Um, well, and part know. of it too is I think pornography um, uh, trains us to be highly narcissistic um, because it continues to point everything back to my desires, my wants, my needs, and basically uh, to consume pornography, a man is learning that he's never to be denied. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, it's very easy then, in some ways, in that sort of logic, which it's irrational, but it's there's a logic to it, that if my wife is not giving me what I want, when I want it, then I can blame her. Because I've been trained by pornography to say whatever I want, whenever I want it, I get it. And so it's, it's just, it's taking a fantasy world and trying to superimpose it over reality. And obviously that doesn't work. Can you talk a little bit about some of the, some of the misconceptions that often prevent wives from maybe reaching out sooner than, than when they normally would for help? I think the biggest one is one that you've already mentioned um, that comes with the blaming issue and that 75% of wives at some point do believe that it's their fault. They really do believe that if I was somehow different, if I was more attractive, if I was more adventurous, if I was a better wife, if I was more graceful, if I was, you know, they just twist themselves inside out trying to become what they think will compete with what they're viewing and not understanding that, you know, pornography and marital sex, they're not interchangeable. They're a completely different experience. You know, it's like trying to compete with somebody who's taking cocaine. It's not, it's just not possible, but that doesn't stop us from trying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that one about not understanding actually how it is affecting their brains makes us think that, well, they're looking at them because, you know, we're no longer attractive because we've changed or, or, or whatever, whatever the reasons are. So it's my fault is a really big one. The other one is just sheer ignorance that porn is really harmful. Um, you know, like we've mentioned the, the messages from the media or even it's, it's beneficial. That's the other one. You know, we're told so many times, you know, this is how to spice up your, your love life, you know, just try this or um, watch it with him. Um, and if you're getting the message that this is going to helpful, you, there's no way that it even enters your mind that actually this is really damaging. And there's been, you know, as you know, like hundreds of studies proving how harmful pornography is. There's not one that proves it's not, you know, that it has any beneficial effects. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to point out. Um, the other one I would say is this general feeling of sort of just hopelessness and inevitability. Like I, I need to get over myself and lower my expectations because everybody does it. And also I think in the church, we do get, you know, we try so hard to be good wives and we're told that a good wife um, is, you know, full of grace and forgives and, you know, and we want to do that. But when sin, you know, this magnitude of sin is coming in, you need boundaries. You don't need to immediately forgive that. That will not help him realize the severity of what he's doing because there'll be no natural consequences. And also it's you denying your voice. You're preventing the Holy Spirit from talking through you by actually standing up and saying, no, this is polluting our marriage. This is polluting me as well as you. And I will not tolerate it in my marriage. And so if I need to emotionally, physically distance myself from you, if you continue in this behavior, then that's me obeying God. 
And I think, you know, it is difficult because we do want to respect our husbands and we don't want to make them feel bad about their problems. But when this sin of pornography comes in, it's about obeying God. And God is very clear what he thinks about sexual immorality. And from what we know about the brain chemistry, guys who are heavily addicted are drowning in this stuff. They need you to stand up. They need you to, to actually throw them a lifesaver by saying, I love you too much to actually ignore this anymore because I, I can see that you're drowning. And I, you know, and, you know, I don't know what your experience is, but our experience of, of walking, working with couples, the guys want to be free. They really desperately want to be free, but they just don't know how. And when their wife actually stands up and says, you know, enough, We're, there's a hole in the boat. And I know that for some reason, you're not able to actually acknowledge it or deal with it at the moment, but I am, and I'm willing to do that. Eventually the guy comes around, hopefully a lot of times and says, thank you. Thank you for actually loving me enough to do that tough step of step, you know, standing up to me and saying, this isn't going to be part of our marriage anymore. Yeah. Cause a lot of it is about pain points. You know, what the old saying goes, when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same, you'll get help. That's a good um, one. And I think some of that is, because of the narcissism I was talking about before, a lot of men who get addicted on pornography become master manipulators. So therefore they learn how to kind of construct the environment around them to be how they want it to be. So it is important for the people that are in relationship around them to know exactly what you're talking about, about how do you set healthy boundaries? Not like, arbitrarily punitive boundaries, but like mm -hmm. healthy boundaries that are yeah. more for you. You're not trying to punish your husband, but you're saying, I've got to be, I've got to stay true to God and I've got to stay true to what is healthy for me so that I don't get swept away with your sin or your narcissism. And therefore I think as people around start to, to do healthy things, it does then create those pressure points of pain that are, that are what I would call good pain. Because it's like, you're not trying to punish the person. You're actually trying to show them the light. You're trying to show them the truth. Um, and I think that's a really good thing. But let's talk for a minute about, um, you know, we've got an audience here that uh, we've got a very uh, informed and educated and smart audience. And pretty much everybody that's uh, listening in to our program, they're listening in because they've got some level of awareness of the issues we're talking about, probably even some level of awareness of things going on in the relationship. But I also know that we've got new listeners, uh, women out there that are going, I have suspicions, but how can I, like, what are some red flags to look for? Are there some, some telltale signs that I can say, this gives me a, a, a stronger indication that there probably is something going on with my husband. Can you speak to that? I can. So I've already mentioned that you're going to know something's off in the bedroom. You know, as I've said, guys go one way or another. They're either become, going to become hypersexual, demanding more frequent sex, perhaps um, wanting you to do things that they've seen, things that might make you feel uncomfortable. And there's a general uncomfortability and a pressure there. Or the guys withdraw. They become sexually avoidant. This is about 50% of the guys, I think. Um, and, and this is really important because it's absolutely devastating for a wife because she naturally assumes that, well, he's not into sex, so therefore he can't be into pornography. It, you know, it's, it's me. I'm the problem. So that's in the bedroom. But as I've said, outside, you're going to get those behavioral things like, what is wrong with the marriage? Something is wrong. He's so withdrawn. He's so secretive. Perhaps there's some behavioral signs that are just like setting off red flags for you. Like, um, you know, uh, 
unaccounted for periods of time. Where does he go? Where, you know, why does he take that long to come home from work or, or whatever it is? Um, perhaps staying up late, perhaps defensive or secretive or possessive over, over his phone or, you know, the technology that you have. Um, I would just say to, to ladies, trust your gut. Trust your gut. If you're sensing that there's something wrong, there probably is. I'm not saying it's necessarily pornography, but I'm saying do listen to that little voice because there will be lots of clues. And, and, and this is the beautiful thing about recovery. You start to put the pieces together and then you come out of crazy land because it is so confusing. And like being in a fog in those days of trying to work out what is wrong with my marriage because I'm trying really hard and all the marriage books say, if I do this enough, if I'm, you know, respecting him enough and I'm graceful enough and I'm sexual enough and I'm cleaning the house enough and I'm doing this, it should be getting better, but nothing seems to be making a difference. Mm-hmm. At which point you go, hmm, okay, we need to have the conversation. We need to bring up the issue of pornography and see and find out what his, you know, what he's doing. And I'd ask yeah. him when. The question I'd ask is when. When was the last time you actively sought out pornography? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big things too is is how is to be able to, to also look at how is your husband responding when some of these uh, gut questions are posed, you know, because if there's a lot of defensiveness, if there's a lot of deflection, if there's a lot of vagueness, um, again, whether or not it's pornography, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the other thing I would I would uh, ask is how is a woman to hold in balance the the reality that yes she needs to take care of herself in the sense of her emotional physical mental well-being while at the same time seeking to be who god has called her to be in her marriage uh knowing that she's not she's not to be the agent of change in her husband like she can't none of us have the power within ourselves to change another human being, even if we can have influence and still we don't have the power to change them. How do you help a wife think through holding those two things in balance, like self-care with still engagement in the marriage, asking those probing questions, seeking, you know, for your husband to grow and to, to pursue integrity, um, on his own, not with having to need a cop or a mom yeah. to constantly be badgering him about working on these things. You're absolutely right in that we cannot be the agent of change, but I would say that wives do have a role in that they are often the catalyst for change yeah. by them actually acknowledging that there is a problem and standing up and standing firm and saying, I'm obeying God for the both of us right now. As you said, that you know, by by one of them becoming healthy and putting her on her own oxygen mask and getting sanity and getting clarity and getting support, it's so important for wives in those early days, especially if you've got a guy who's resistant. You need support. You know, other sisters around you, perhaps a little bit further up the ladder, going, "You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing." This, you know, you cannot ignore this. It's only going to get worse. Um, and and helping her frame it in a healthy way. I mean. I think, I mean, a lot of wives get really stuck on how do I say this perfectly? How do I not offend him? And I'd say the focus is not on how you say it, but what you say at this point. Okay, yes, ideally do it all perfectly, but it's more important that you stand 
firm at this point. Um, and so your job as the, as the catalyst, your job is not to fix him. Your job is to get him to somebody who can fix him and make sure that that person is qualified and experienced. And, you know, this is your marriage. This is your life. This is your family. You do the research on the person that he's going to see and you find your own qualified support as well. It might be the same person. It might be somebody different. You know, there's a great uh, organization called APSATS, which qualify, Mm -hmm. um, you know, coaches for, for women this is going to be the best thing you can do for your marriage. Actually, you learn how to get really healthy, set those healthy boundaries, self-care, um, you know, possibly deal with issues of codependency, past trauma. You getting as healthy as possible is the best thing you can do for him. And, and I look at recovery like uh, your own recovery groups, your group and his group, they're like laboratories for intimacy where you learn the skills, you learn how to... Um, you know, give healthy feedback and receive healthy feedback and challenge one another. And then you apply those, those new skills that you've learned, that emotional maturity back to your relationship. And then, then things really start moving and then you can work together. So it is a question of, you know, work on your, on your own stuff and, and let him work on his own stuff because you're not going to fix it. He needs to develop healthy intimacy with other guys because this is an intimacy disorder. And that's where he's going to find true healing because believe you me, him hearing something from his guys carries a lot more weight than it does from you. And that's just yeah. the reality. It might be exactly the same words. It might be the same message, but hearing it from a group full of guys is going to be so much more powerful. Yeah. And I would say also just to the men out there, if you think that your wife is just an accessory, um, you don't understand that from the very beginning, God said, we need help. And therefore she's not an accessory. She's integral to the change that we need in our lives. And I love what you said about a catalyst. That's the word that I used for my wife. And the way I use it is when she actually left and drew that line and said, I'm out of here. That was the catalyst that God used to break me and bring me to a place of, of finally entering recovery. Uh, but Rosie, we're, we're out of time here, but I would love for people to know uh, these the wives out there to know where they can get your book and some of your resources and and the education that you're talking about. So where can we send people for them to learn more about what you guys offer? So our ministry is called Fight for Love Ministries, and the website is fightforloveministries.org. And the book that's come out with Lifeway is called Fight for Love, and the podcast is called Fight for Love. And we have a Facebook page, uh, a sort of online private support group called um, Fight for Love Fellowship. Um, and so there are, you know, what, whatever your stage of readiness, if you're just ready to listen to a podcast or, you know, download the first couple of chapters of the book, you know, free on the website, or just, you know, come and have a look in, in the, uh, Facebook group. We can take you at whatever level you're ready because we're like the on-ramp to recovery. We're for those of you who are so still working it out and not quite ready to reach out to a group. We just help answer those early questions and then we can send you forward to groups like your, you know, wife care, wives mm-hmm. care group, you know, with Gigi, Gigi's actually coming on our podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, so, you know, we're all working together. We're like the, we're like the paramedics. I, I describe Gigi as like the triage. She's telling you, you know, what's broken and how to fix it. And we're like the paramedics. We're going out and we're just like getting you out of the darkness and bringing you into those recovery groups. Yeah, that's great. We'll be ha- we'll be happy to send people to your website. Can you can you tell me real briefly? Just um, I mean, fight for love. I love it. I mean, I I think I can conjure up my own ideas of of what that means and where that came from. But can you tell us 
a little bit about why that uh, name for your ministry and your book. Because this is a this is a huge spiritual battle, and if we're going to have to fight for our marriages and fight for our husbands and fight for our children and fight for our sanity. Um, but we're not fighting in our own strength. And that's the beautiful thing, you know, in our, in our brokenness, we have one who is a mighty champion fighting with us. And so I just love that whole image because it, it does feel like a David and Goliath scenario. It really does. It feels like, how can I possibly compete with the global sex industry? I mean, it's, you can't, you can't, you know, one, one little wife, you can't. However, you just stand firm and you're obedient to God mm-hmm. and you can make a change. And that's how we're going to change. This is how we're going to turn this tide in the church. You know, I, I do believe it's women standing up and just being faithful. That's awesome. Well, Rosie, thanks for your story. Thanks for your courage. Thanks for your resources. And thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And listeners, of course, we're always glad that you're with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.